Hey. hey. You're listening to Avid Research. Avid Research. Avid Research. An Australian STEM podcast. Where we answer the questions you never quite got around to asking. Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Avid Research Podcast. I'm Alison Hornery and it's my fun task today to turn the tables and interview your usual host, Amelia Travers. And of course, the theme of this episode is, what's it like to host a podcast about people working in STEM? Hi, Amelia. Thanks for inviting me to take over your chair today. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm also quite nervous. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Alison. It's, it's going to be cool. <laughs> It is. It's, it's my absolute pleasure. So look, let's kind of start at the beginning, as it were, and, and talk a little bit about your own journey. How did you find your way into the world of STEM? Oh, how, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so th- this is quite a complex, complex story. So I hope you've got a cup of tea ready. Um, some of the listeners will already know a bit about this one. So I have always been curious about the world. I've always been somewhat nosy. I remember particularly being interested in like why pancakes have bubbles and I was always fascinated by flight and like how does it work? Mm -hmm. I'm still not sold on how it works. (laughs) (laughs) But so I've, I've always sort of had that curiosity and I was incredibly privileged to be encouraged to be curious. I was never told off for asking questions and I had not just my parents but other adults around us who would encourage me to Uh, ask questions and then also try and like nut out the answers myself so I was never just handed an answer it was always like probably smart enough you can like you can do a bit of thinking yourself there Amelia and Mm. see if you can work that out so always curious and always been encouraged from that perspective so very lucky there I went through all the sort of standard like career ideas of what I wanted to be I'm named after Amelia Earhart, so I had to go through a phase of being wanting to be a pilot. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I was I was named after her because she's um, she was quite a difficult woman, and you know, here I am. So <laughs> that worked out in all your glory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then sort of through high school, I was uh, encouraged along STEM paths. I was a bit discouraged from maths, but. Um, my, my science teachers in particular were always very encouraging. And then sort of some one of the bigger things that happened, I went to some science camps. So I went to one in South Australia doing like a bit of space stuff in South Australia because that's the state to do that in, uh, in mm. year 11. And then year 12, I got to do the National Year Science Forum. I think most people who've been to it will say it's a pretty like seminal experience in year 12 of being like I'm allowed to be a nerd (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah right this is cool and then do you want me to keep going I could go yeah please yeah I mean (laughs) what I find fascinating about these sorts of um, open-ended questions is that you know what I've even heard so far and we're only up to the end of school right is that so many of these journeys take a winding path with a whole bunch of unexpected turns and that's kind of what makes it yours in a way. So what happened once you you kind of had that, that as you say, that kind of seminal experience of it's okay to be interested and curious and want to solve problems and, and you know, pursue this sort of scientific path? I then was 
ridiculously lucky and I got to be the first Australian to attend European Space Camp and yeah. we I went to northern Norway to a place called Andoya uh, which is the world's most northerly permanent uh, rocket launching facility and we went there as a bunch of other young people and we got to launch a small sounding rocket so it's about 1.8 meters tall and it goes about eight kilometers up into the atmosphere so the sounding means it goes back up and then comes back down again and probably scares the bejesus out of a whale (laughs) just make sure you don't point it towards russia and you are fine (laughs) small point oh these these things are quite important when you're up uh that far north and i think that sort of emphasized like it's not just Australians who are nerdy. Nerdiness is global and you can, even as a young person, you can really do some really big stuff, including like launching a rocket. Um, there's none of that, like talking down to young people because they're little or whatever. So that that was mm. quite powerful. Another, you know, my, my life is just a series of seminal moments, <laughs> as is everyone's, <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I don't think that's a particularly unique experience. Our own, you know, we all have our own for, you know, for good or for bad. Yeah. So uh, I then I went to uni. um, I did a Bachelor of Science in Geography. I had this whole plan of like I was going to go to uni, I was going to study physics and I was going to study journalism and I was going to work for New Scientist and that was going to be my future. And then... I got into the physics labs at uni and they just smelt so dusty and sad. And you spend the whole mm. of your um, undergrad just doing the same experiments that everyone's done before. And being a somewhat arrogant young person, I was like, I don't want to do the same things other people have done. I want to do something new, <laughs> which isn't how mm. physics works. You really have to understand what's come before you. So I, I ended up getting totally sidetracked, which is sort of a fairly common experience through my career and I was like oh I can study geography geography wasn't a thing when I was at school it was all SOS and it was all politics basically I didn't know you could study the environment like that and so I got to uni I was like oh I can study how people in the environment interact and there's geography that sounds cool that's a good plan b went off and did that did took a couple of gap gap years in there I what was it called? Honours. Honours in climate change adaptation. A whole lot of really cool stuff happened there. Uh, this starts to sound a little bit like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there was. there's no plan here. Very important to understand. Completely. Complete discovery plan. process yes. in real time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, this is very, very quickly sped up. It was around that stage that I decided I wanted to start a podcast. So this is sort of 2012-ish. Mm-hmm. As you can tell, it then took a while for it to actually happen. But this whole time, I then I did a bit of Antarctic, uh, not Antarctic, I did a bit of uh, polar science, so mostly in the Arctic, did a mm-hmm. couple of expeditions up there, really got, like, absolutely loved shipboard expeditions. They're still, like, some of the best things, best adventures you can have. And I've, I really enjoyed the opportunities to do outreach during those things, so whether or not... Like one situation we got to do like a live stream with a school in Hawaii from a ship uh, in the Southern Pacific. Uh, that was really cool. Blew some kids' minds on that one. And even just having having the internet on a boat like that, yeah. oh, that's pretty special. Mm. Uh, that was the RV Falcor. So it's, it's like a ship that's basically been purchased by the same people who founded Google. So hence there's internet on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, you'd kind of expect that as a bare minimum, really, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would, you would. And um, yeah, they support that, which is awesome. Yeah. So got to do a whole lot of uh, outreach. Social media was kind of taking off then. So did a lot of Twitter and uh, blogging for different sort of scientific organizations. And then like a quite a few scientists out there, I discovered that geography unfortunately there isn't a whole lot of jobs and at that stage mm. I was <laughs> this is the problem with science in particular the really really cool stuff there isn't always a job in that field and you're gonna have to like compromise if you don't want to go into academia and so I did a fairly standard thing and went off and got a postgrad teaching degree uh, so right <laughs> hence I'm now a um a, a qualified teacher which is like a really good experience, especially if you're interested in communication and education. I think it's, it's there's some great tools to have. Uh, if you can teach year nines science, you can you can do a lot of things. I was going to say, I mean that <laughs> that experience and and the exposure to that kind of really, I mean it's it's feels like it's the you know, the most basic essence of communication really isn't it is is to convey it to the emerging minds who um ask lots of questions and and aren't necessarily you know interested in simple answers and want to know what want to know what's underneath things and why and how and how long and how far and all those kinds of really great questions and just listening to you telling your story it's clear that there's a, a real sense of wanting to convey knowledge and understand things and wanting to help other people understand and see what see the things in the science that you see uh, and so I can imagine that that moving into the sort of teaching sphere would give you yet another lens for that that you know personal passion and drive that you have would that be fair definitely thank you you've mm. put that so beautifully you've made it all sound so <laughs> so good <laughs> <laughs> So, so talk a little bit though. Just we just pause there because I think this is a really interesting thread that you've you've tugged on there around this issue of having a particular either discipline or a particular career path in mind, and then having to adapt based on reality, um, which is <laughs> something we all have to do whether we like it or not. But it's interesting to me that you found still, you know, whether you know from physics to geography and the, you know, the little journalism piece in there that I, you know, I haven't let go. We're going to come back to that too. Um, <laughs> but sort of wrapped up in this wanting to understand and convey things. Has it been your experience even talking to people that you've been through, you know, um, university or training courses or what have you, or these amazing polar experiences with, that this is a fairly common experience that you do need to be willing to um consider the possibility that a straight path isn't the likely path or is not necessarily the best path for you is that something that you've you've been aware of for some time and that is sort of talked about amongst your peers totally 100 percent. I personally I'd be very sus on anyone who has had a really straight linear path that has worked out <laughs> um it's look maybe it's possible mm. and you know if you're that person feel free to email me and be like dude I exist <laughs> but <laughs> even even for people who occasionally I do get to interview people who have they wanted to do a thing they studied the thing and now they're working in that thing even in a path like that which you could on your cv make look linear there's still been so many 
hardships and point of being like, uh, well, maybe all the jobs dried up for that year or that there'll be still be so many challenges to overcome. So I think, yeah, the the idea that it's just sort of like A leads to B leads to C, incredibly misleading. And I've been thinking a lot about all the career misconceptions that are out there. As for like reality getting in the way of, you know, we there's a lot of dreams that are kind of sold to you at school of like if you if you want to be something you can just sort of study it and then it'll work out yeah that's that's not most people's experience and part of that is just the job market just bounces around like a sort of a slightly enthusiastic yo-yo a lot of the time Mm. and like jobs come and go and particularly now we're living in a world where new careers that did not exist when I was at school now exist like you you can't want to be something that doesn't exist yet and then go do that thing that's Mm. terrible like you'd it'd make more sense if you could see my arms flapping around Um, (laughs) that's right I'm a very visual (laughs) kind of person too so unfortunately for those of you listening you are just getting our voices but imagine that both of our arms are waving expressively in the air I'm the crazy but like there's a whiteboard of a crazy person I'm drawing like lots of lines and being like look if you want to do this you can't do this if this doesn't exist yet but yeah I think a, a lot of people either that they've, they've studied something that by itself won't get them a job and they've had to do further study or they've realized I, I know a lot of people went into uni with these like rosy color glasses of this thing is the thing that I want to do for the rest of my life. And then they've met the other people that do it or they've done a bit of work experience and they've been like, wow, this is not for me. The culture is wrong. The mm. people, I just don't click with them. I feel really alone here. Like there's there's a whole lot of reasons like why people have to mix it up. And it's hard, Yeah, but it's fun. It's really important too, though, I think, and um, it sounds like you'd agree with this, is is being able to say that out loud too, to be able to say it's okay if you discover that it's not quite what you thought um, and once you've recovered from that to choose to do something else rather than settle for something that wasn't quite what you imagined is also a completely okay thing to do. Um, I need to look at my own, you know, career history to, to see all of those points of, oh, this wasn't quite what I imagined. Okay, this needs to change because it's not sustainable for me. Um, and that's, you know, a choice that we can all make and don't need to feel like we've let anybody down by uh, by moving around like that. So let's kind of bring this into kind of the, the avid research perspective now because it's obvious that, you know, with an interest in journalism and an interest in outreach and, and storytelling and so on is something that, that drives you quite clearly but also this idea of you know wanting to kind of be um you know a journalist for new scientists i'd 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 argue that what you've got with your podcast is kind of like a you know a uh, an unplugged version like now scientists or something wanting to learn what's happening now and how people are really experiencing their work in the real world so why why a podcast in particular what draws you to this particular medium and why do you think it works for the stories you want to help people tell? I feel like that's an excellent question. And looking back, I don't know why it was specifically a podcast that I wanted to do, as opposed to, say, like a YouTube channel or, mm. I don't know, uh, just a blog or something. I think like 
blogs are fairly it's a bit too saturated now I don't I don't know who actually reads them maybe it was just that podcasts sounded cool (laughs) (laughs) but why does it work I think for this particular medium of me like interviewing people about their careers like that there's a lot of things I like about it one is that it's it's edited post interview so people can mess up and they've got like space and time to think about their answers, which is something I really want to encourage people to do, not feel like they have to rush into answering something. Mm. Personally, I find not having video for the interviews quite quite good. Partly that's like it gets rid of a whole lot of biases mm. uh, that might might turn up, and I think, I think that's kind of cool. And it's also like mostly what we're talking about isn't like stuff you really need to focus on, and I think it works quite well as something to listen to whilst you're cooking or something like that. Like it's a, I, I definitely would encourage people to multitask uh, and do something <laughs> menial with their hands whilst they're listening, which maybe that's a weird thing to encourage, but no, it makes sense in my head. It does. It does for me too. And, and I guess one of the reasons I like this medium is, is that it's quite an intimate medium. You really like it focuses on listening and without anything else. I mean, you might be doing something else, you know, driving or cooking or ironing or, um, you know, gardening or, or walking, whatever it might be. But there is something about having a, a conversation with two people, you know, more, but it's more fun for me when it's two. You feel like you're listening in on a conversation that you wouldn't normally get to hear or that, you know, maybe you might overhear snippets of in a, a cafe or something like that. There's a vicariousness to it that I think is much more, um, pronounced in 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 audio than it is in video and you're quite right you know video brings a whole bunch of things with it again you know for, for good and for bad but there's something about sitting and just having a chat with someone and really tuning in to what they're saying that you know reveals some things I think and and uh, sometimes surprises you with with what comes out that you weren't really expecting to either say or hear um, and that can be fun too right very much so and I think like now you've mentioned the vicariousness of it like I'm pretty convinced don't take this the wrong way listeners but I'm pretty convinced that most of you are listening because you're just incredibly nosy people (laughs) and you're just like why should that person get paid so much money or why do they work such long hours or whatever it is Mm. that you're listening because you're curious about that career and I think like it is it's like but people have described it as it sounds like I'm having a cup of tea with someone and we're just sitting there having a chat in a room somewhere, which, gosh, that sounds like a nice way to do a podcast. But, yeah, you're just sitting in the, the chair next to me being like, hmm, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, that really active listening piece mm. is, is so important. So given that you've been listening to people and talking to people <laughs> for a while now, Talk to us a little bit about some of your favourite stories or some of the favourite experiences that you've had from from doing this podcast so far. Look, I can't choose a favourite story at all or, or even like a top ten because I tried to do this the other day and I was like, but they're all so cool. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're all my new favourite favorite person with their favourite story. So many surprising cool things have come out of doing this podcast and one of them is just like after I'd done a lot of lot of career changes and had some like some of the negative experiences you have throughout a career I'd become a little bit jaded about some stem things and 
part of doing this podcast was to talk to people and I guess to diminish the jadedness. I don't know if there's a word for that. Mm. And far out. It hasn't just like diminished my jadedness. I don't think I could find any jadedness anymore. It's just like reinvigorated me with, oh my gosh, there are so many amazing human beings out there. And as a relatively cynical person, you know, I am now more than happy to look at anyone in the eye and be like, there are so many cool, amazing, awesome Australian scientists that they're just brilliant doing like genuine groundbreaking research. So there's that and that that's just like a wonderful thing for me. But also it's been part of like tapping into this network of people who whose stories now I've told, I am so invested in what happened. So <laughs> when <laughs> So you're joining their journey, really, aren't you? Oh, that, that's way more of what happens is like, particularly if I follow them on Twitter or Instagram or something, mm. if I see they've like released a book or if they've just released a paper or if uh, particularly for people who were PhD students and they get to like graduate from their PhD, I am just like so proud of them <laughs> and so excited for them. And that's probably been the biggest like side effect is not just like growing my network but really really caring about these people and what's happening in their lives like particularly their professional lives obviously I'm just like oh and just seeing them go off and do awesome things I'm just like you go so cool it is very cool isn't it and of course you can't help I'm sitting here sort of grinning listening to you talking so I'm getting this kind of vicariousness joy from from listening to you talk about the impact it's had on you and you know you can't do that kind of um, you can't invest that kind of energy and effort and interest in people without some of that reflecting back on you and your own work and your own kind of decisions and your own um, commitment to continuing to do this moving forward so mm-hmm. I can imagine that there's you know no small amount of return energy back to you to want to now double down and really you know, tell as many stories as you humanly can in the time you've got available. That and also I feel a great responsibility for making sure the stories do actually get out there and that makes me want to do like good quality marketing and things, not just for me so that my podcast is famous because I don't see it as all being about me, but more so that because people give the most amazing gems of wisdom mm-hmm. and I'm like, that gem should be heard by everyone in Australia because that was just so smart and particularly things about like scientists not needing to be brilliant by themselves but working in teams and needing to have groups of like large groups of interdisciplinary people to solve big global problems, that sort of stuff. I'm like, oh, everyone should get to hear this. So it definitely uh, increases my um, my dedication to not being too humble, I guess, <laughs> about the podcast. Well, that's that's pretty healthy, I think. <laughs> I hope so. There's there's one real positive um, selfish side effect, and that is like no awkward dinner table silence is a thing anymore because <laughs> if, if there's that sort of like. Um, you know, particularly if you've got the awkward relative who's just always a bit cantankerous, that sort of stuff, I can now just jump in with all sorts of awesome random facts that they don't have an opinion to be cantankerous about. Um, <laughs> and it, it's just really good. I don't know how much my family appreciate or don't appreciate it, but they get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And again, you know, the, the ability to kind of ask questions and be curious about even the most un, unlikely of people, you just become, you know, more and more interested in pursuing that, I think. So one of the other things that I wanted to, to touch on briefly is a, is a pretty exciting and unexpected benefit that's come out of this, um, not just for you, but for anybody who's been involved in the podcast so far. Um, and this is this quite innovative and, and fascinating thing that you're doing around career maps, which is sort of visualising people's career journeys and, again, showing the circuitous and sometimes completely unpredictable and unexpected and not at all planned, um, you know, directions that they've taken to get where they are. Um, talk a little bit about, about this, this visual kind of tool or this visual communication style that you've introduced and, uh, and talk about where it's taken you. <laughs> so I've actually got an episode out. If you, if you really want to drill into it, uh, episode number 42, which is obviously the luckiest of all the episodes, uh, is about this one, but yes, Career maps, they kind of stem from, so obviously I trained as a geographer. I've done a bit of like map art as, as a hobby kind of thing over the last two and a half years. And I've been playing around with the idea of mapping mm. journeys as opposed to just like physical locations. And being faced with some of the, particularly the big career shifts that some people have made, I was like, there's got to be a way of communicating this. Like there's got to be a way of showing how someone did make that full like 180 degree turn or something yeah and so I started sort of like playing around and I, I used my partner as a, a a little experiment I sat, sat him down and he got to have a good hour and a half of me grilling him about his career which <laughs> definitely made him a little uncomfortable at times <laughs> to, to practice like putting together what a career map could look like and he's like it's gonna be the most boring thing because yep. I like trained as a thing that I am now like it, it can't be interesting and I was like I bet mm. it's interesting <laughs> and it was surprisingly enough I like I'm still at the beginning of exploring what the career maps can be uh, where they can go but uh, for those of you who haven't heard they're gonna be on ex exhibit they're gonna be there's gonna be an exhibition of them at the city library in Melbourne which is terrifying uh completely terrifying as a as you've heard I'm a STEM person I'm not an artist uh all of those like imposter syndromes that you have heard of I have them about art <laughs> so it's gonna be interesting um but yeah so for the first four weeks in July you can trot on down to the the city library and you can check them out I'll also be doing a whole lot of stuff on social media so you can take a peek if you can't physically get there. Look, this, this I have to say, is a very, very exciting development. Um, and, you know, for me, one of the things that I love so much about this idea and the fact that it's now um, being displayed as a piece of art is, is creativity and artistry comes in all shapes and sizes and in all disciplines and it just you know it's just a way of looking at something in a slightly different way um, and so I'm I couldn't be more delighted that uh, that the idea of a journey as a a visual representation in all that that embodies is something that everybody who manages to find their way to the uh, to the Melbourne City Library um, can get to experience in that sort of setting I think that's awesome thank you it's awesome and it, it would be it'd be 
definitely undeniably awesome if someone else was doing it, but because I'm doing it, I'm a bit like, oh gosh, can I even do this? <laughs> <laughs> and of course you can because you yes. are. So, um, so there, you know, therein kind of lies the, uh, the experience for you to, to share with everybody else. So one of the things that's also particularly um, exciting for me about this is that, um, and, you know, the podcast in general, is that you're part of the Australian Academy of Sciences STEM Women Network. Um, and I know that a lot of the people that you've interviewed have, have been drawn from that amazing collection of more than 3,000 women working in an amazing array of disciplines right across this wonderful country of ours. Talk to me a little bit about how that platform has um, has worked for you and how you've found and discovered some of these amazing people. It has been astonishing. I yeah, there was no way I saw the the whole thing kind of exploding the way it did when it went out through your newsletter. So originally, the podcast just started with me tapping people that I know on the shoulder and being like, "Hey." can I interview for this thing? And that that's probably a good way to start because you're starting with people that you know and there's there's not that level of, oh, gosh, do I even know what I'm doing? And you get to iron out some kinks and stuff. And I was just like, oh, my, mm. my plan for all you could call it that from there on in was I was just going to ask them to, recogn- uh, to recommend someone else in their network and kind of go out like that. And then I was just like, oh, like I've been getting some really cool emails from the STEM women newsletter. I might, I might see if this is something that they're interested in. And thanks to you guys, you put a little like promo piece in and I got something like 25 people email me that day and be like, Hey, I'd love to be interviewed. Wow. Yes. At the time I was like, Holy Brussels sprouts. I cannot deal with this. (laughs) Yeah. Be careful what you wish for, right? (laughs) I'm now drowning in scientists and like, it's been awesome. Like the positive and negative has been that the majority of people have been scientists, which is cool, but that's not the whole, the whole of STEM. And that's, that's something all of STEM needs to kind of work on a little bit Mm. harder. It's Mm. not just science. I, from there on in, I really haven't done anything uh networky I've just um I've been I got through all those interviews over a period of time and every single one of those people has been amazing and then I went to one of those STEM women cafe things earlier this year 2021 mm-hmm. and uh you know got virtually popped into some rooms with some some people and I was like guys are cool <laughs> and so stalked them on LinkedIn and I was like hey would you like to be interviewed and now the people who I've interviewed from the network are uh, recommending their friends to be interviewed by me and yeah I haven't had to do too much sort of finding people as a result of this it's been awesome <laughs> Which is the wonderful thing that happens when a network works. It's it's how this sort of stuff spreads and how this kind of you know these kinds of stories find their way around and um, you know how all of us get to listen in some small way to you know, someone's experience or someone's story that again you wouldn't normally come across in you know everyday media or everyday life. Um, you get a bit of a window into a world that feels um, quite different and interesting and uh, and that's you know 
part of what the the STEM Women Network is about is not just connecting, you know, the the women to each other, um, but to connect us to all of them uh, and to understand their work in new ways. Um, so just briefly, if anyone who's, who hasn't checked out STEM Women yet, you'll find it at stemwomen.org.au. Um, if you are a, um, someone who identifies as a woman working in um, a STEM re- or STEM-related field, feel free to create a profile and join the family. Um, but also, uh, if you are looking for people for a conference or to sit on an advisory board or to be a mentor, you can also just search the site and find some amazing people uh, and reach out to them and and start a conversation. So we'd certainly encourage you to do exactly what Amelia did um, and make sure that, you know, we spread the word about this uh, this amazing resource that we have. So can I just jump in? in? Yeah, please do. And the network is amazing. There are amazing women on there. And I it's just another reminder that there is no excuse for you to have a male only anything like unless it's specifically men. this is my podcast I'm allowed to say what I want that's the best thing about it but there is no excuse I never set out to have a women in stem podcast it just happened because there were the people who emailed me and volunteered and Mm. they've been so articulate ridiculously intelligent human beings very compassionate really really interested and really really interesting people you have no excuse to have a male board a male panel a male only anything unless it's specifically male only for some reason there's such a wealth of awesome women out there and they're all literally just sitting there on the internet ready for your email and they're so welcoming go for it no more excuses couldn't agree more. Let's let's all work together to you know make this change happen. We're mm-hmm. all doing our part. So, given you know the experience that you've had and the stories that you've been telling, um, apart from coming and having a chat to you on your podcast, what advice would you give people who are working in STEM or wanting to find their way into that, who want to tell the story of their work in new ways? Oh, there's so many options. So one, yep. Yeah. If you're interested, come on the podcast. It's great fun. Uh, and it, honestly, it is fun. I'm not scary to be interviewed by. It's not that Alison was scared at all. Um, <laughs> it's just such a, a gentle experience. Yep, it is. So podcasts are an option. It, there is a lot of effort in setting it up, that sort of thing. So unless you're real, real keen, don't necessarily start your own podcast. Just like try and go on someone else's. There's, there's a couple of pieces of advice I'd say. One is don't wait for someone else's permission. I was putting off doing a podcast until I was doing it associated with associated with an organisation or for a school or something like that. I thought I kind of needed the permission of someone else. You don't. We now live in this amazing world where you have access to the resources that you need to start, whether it's a blog or a podcast or any kind of social media site. You can just do that. Obviously, like, you know, you need to look at what your contract says with your employer. But other than that, you don't need someone else to tap you on the shoulder and be like, you'll be good at science communication. You'll be good at telling your story. You're allowed Mm. to just go out and do it. No one can stop you. (laughs) Good and bad. The other thing I'd say is, like, have an investigate of the different social medias that are available. You don't need to go with traditional media. It's not just about getting an article in the age or the Australian they're, they're good ways of 
uh, getting your story out, but they're not the only way. And there's a lot of ways that are not gate kept where you don't need to be approved by someone else. So uh, whether it's creating a TikTok account, if you can handle all the noise of TikTok, uh, Twitter, there's really active uh, academic groups on Twitter. You know, you can do a whole lot on Instagram. And then just talk to people about what you do, whether it's friends or family. You don't need to keep what you do a secret. You're allowed to share it with them and hopefully they become your advocates as well. They're the main ones I can think of. Did I miss anything? Oh, look, I think they're really good advice. I mean, the, the truth is that if you if you go looking and not always in the obvious places, you can usually find your tribe and sometimes they're not the people that you expect. Um, but there is always a tribe of folks who can, you know, be um, a support network and also help you hone the craft of you telling your story um, by asking questions or putting you up for awards or suggesting you write a paper or recommending you to be on a conference panel. Whatever it is, find those people who will who will give you that support unequivocally and f- also for you to reciprocate and do that to them in return. Um, it's up to all of us. You know, the, the, the whole, the old saying, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. Um, we can all make a contribution, I think. So, you know, plenty of, plenty of directions to go. Look, Amelia, it's been an absolute pleasure <laughs> chatting to you and, and for you to give us a bit of a window into your world. Thank you so much um, for the honour of inviting me to, to come and have a chat to you today. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much, Alison. My pleasure indeed. And I hope that all of you listening uh, also found that interesting. And uh, I'm sure Amelia won't mind me saying that uh, you should definitely go and check out many of the other episodes and dip into some of these worlds that you know nothing about. Uh, I guarantee that you'll uh, you'll know something, if not about that particular theme, then about the person involved, you know, once you've had a chance to, uh, to spend a little bit of time sitting and listening to their story. So until next time, bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this podcast, you're an absolute gem of a human being and you should head over to avidresearch.com.au, sign up for our amazing email newsletter and get all the download on the upcoming episodes and maybe even get a bit of a sneak peek about what's coming next. If you've been enjoying this podcast, you should definitely subscribe. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify and even Google these days. Thanks. Thanks.